Wonderful to be with you. Happy Father's Day. Fathers that showed up on Father's Day. Wow, look at you guys. Thank you for being here. <laughs> so I have a couple uh, dad jokes. <laughs> what makes a joke a dad joke? When it becomes apparent. See, you didn't think you'd like it, but. So the son goes up to his dad and says, Dad, I'd like to introduce you to my girlfriend. <laughs> She's imaginary. And he goes, I thought you could do better. And he goes, that's kind of cruel. And he goes, no, I was talking to her. <laughs> So, <laughs> my favorite t-shirt that I've ever seen is, on top it says, uh, this is not a dad bod, this is a father figure. <laughs> so, uh, today, today from this father figure to uh, the rest of your father figures, um, it's great to be together with you and, and uh, I, I, want, I want you to hear this. Never underestimate the significance of a father's impact on a child. Never underestimate the significance of a father's impact on a child. In fact, as you look at life, it's become very apparent to me that often our central identity, our central theme of life is often determined by the way we relate to our parents, our, and specifically to our dad. And even after we're children, to be adults, how that relation went has dramatic effect on us. I was with a, a number of men one time, a men's group that we, we met periodically, and there was probably a dozen, 15 or so, and uh, I thought I'd just start a little discussion. So I, I threw this out, I was getting close to Father's Day, and I said, hey, on a scale of one to 10, what was the quality of your relationship with your dad? What was it like? One to 10. And then tell us a little bit about it. Well, I thought it'd be kind of an interesting discussion. I, I might as well have like pulled the pin out of a hand grenade and thrown it in the, in the circle. All of a sudden there was emotions that I didn't think those men were even capable of. A few of them started to tear up. A couple of hands clenched as they would tell stories and some of them were Unbelievably good stories. But there's one or two guys that said 9.5, 9.8, another guy said. And they told stories that just put a smile on all of our faces. I mean, this is so good. This was like Andy and Opie in Mayberry, you know, going to the fishing hole whistling. And this was great stories. And then there, was, there were those in the fives and the sixes, 6.2. And, um, and the story's pretty much reflected and matched that, that number. One guy said, uh, 1.3. And another one said, I wish I could have it that well. 0 0.5. And then they both began to tell stories. And it was, it was heartbreaking gut-wrenching, 
as they told story after story after story of the devastation that they felt and they dealt with because their relationship with their dad was not good. In fact, we threw the agenda out and we just circled around those guys and we prayed for quite an extended time that God would, would just do some healing in their life and healing the wounds that were there and restoring unto them some joy and some encouragement, maybe even if possible to restore relationships, to break that curse with their own kids that it does not get passed down. It was a pretty powerful time. I'll say it again. Never underestimate the significance of a father's impact on a child. I want to look at a couple texts of scripture I'll try to go fairly quick, um, not as quick as Pastor Scott Williams and Pastor Charlton go. I just want you to know I don't speak slow. You've learned to listen fast. So, but <laughs> the first one is in Luke, the third chapter, if you want to follow along in verse 21. Uh, Luke just kind of throws this out about, about Jesus' baptism. So I... I want you to, to kind of go down to the Jordan River with me, if you will. And Luke says in verse 21 of chapter 3, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And we just kind of like, oh, okay. But it, it's a little more than that. If you, were, if you were there at the Jordan River, you'd see the guy in the water, John the Baptist. He's, uh, you know, he wears camel hair and has wild hair and eats locusts and honey and other organic food that people shouldn't eat probably. And, and, um, and he's baptizing people, this baptism of repentance. And on the shore is a crowd of people. And I don't know if they're kind of stacked in there, but there's people getting, getting baptized. And I don't know if they just kind of come whenever the spirit leads or if they get in a line, maybe kind of a Disneyland line, you know, where they go back and forth and back and forth. I, but I, I, I have a feeling that there was a uh, a gatekeeper, if you will, that would interview them or at least find out who they are, what their name is, and then present them to John to be baptized, at least in my mind's eye, and, um, and maybe, maybe to announce them. Here is Levi from Jerusalem. Levi, go down and get, and get baptized. Here is uh, Rebecca from Jericho. Rebecca goes down. Here is Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus starts going down there. It's just one of the names of many names. All these people being baptized. And oh yeah, by the way, Jesus was baptized too. But all of a sudden, they started having a conversation. And you can tell them, like they're kind of arguing. And they're going, who is this Jesus of Nazareth? Because he's arguing with John the Baptist of all people. And the people that would lean in real close to here would hear that John the Baptist is going, I'm not going to baptize you. And they go, ooh. Got to draw the line somewhere. He's drawing it at Jesus. And then they heard this. You need to be baptizing me. I've got no business baptizing you. None. You need to baptize me. Jesus said, listen, you're holding up the line, John. Just baptize me. It's okay. Let's get on with this thing. So as, uh, as, he, as he's praying, it says this. Heaven was opened. 
And the Holy Spirit descended on him, on Jesus, in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I'm well pleased. And I read that and I'm going, whoa, what would it be like to be there? Watching Jesus be baptized and heaven opens up. I don't even know what that's like. Was the glory of God already shown? Were there angels? I, I, I think of it kind of as a, a big theater curtain that just slides through and all of a sudden you can see heaven open up. And a dove in bodily form, like a, the Holy Spirit in bodily form like a dove lands on Jesus. And then this voice from that heaven to open theater lights and flashes or whatever's there says this, this, this is my son who I love and I'm so well pleased. I mean, not only to hear it, the voice of God, to see heavens open up, but to be there with the Trinity, one of the most dramatic, one of the most defining moments I mean, very rarely, if, if ever, do you see the Trinity all gathered together at one time and to be there. I mean, the spiritual significance, the majestic significance, the worship that would, that would break out, the, the joy, I mean, all that makes me go like, whoa, I would love to be there. I'm impressed with that. But you know what else impresses me? What the Father said to his son. What God the Father said to Jesus. Not because it's so majestic or so spiritual, or so heavenly, so divine. It's just, it's so human. It's just so human. You're my son. I love you. I'm well pleased with you. Jesus was about to embark on really what, what's a marathon of ministry. He's going to leave this river being baptized and he's going to go into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights without food or water. He's going to be hit from all sides by everything the enemy can give him, trying to trip him up before he ever gets started. He's going to leave the wilderness and then try to recruit 12 disciples that he can invest in for the next three years that will have enough foundation of what he's trying to teach that they can pass it on and evangelize the world and help develop the church and the, the decision and the discernment of all that and then all the teaching that comes out and the miracles that he does and the healings that he does and the confrontation that happens between him and the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, all that as he just tries to remind them, hey, I'm here for a reason and what, one of the reasons I'm here is I want you to know that you can know God as creator, and many of you do. You could know God as sovereign Lord and sovereign king and get your recognition of that. And as, as the one who, who's the boss, the CEO. But I'm here that you might know God as father. What? I mean, that's almost blasphemy. The God who created the universe... You can call him father? And in this marathon at the finish line, he, he goes to the mount, he goes to the cross, he's scourged, he's whipped, 
He's beaten, he's mocked, and on the cross his blood is spilled so that he can take upon himself the sins of the world and that he can provide a bridge, an avenue that not only will your sins be, be forgiven, but you can know the creator of the universe and call him dad, call him papa. Know him with that intimacy. And God the Father knows that Jesus is going through this marathon. He knows how it's going to end. And he just says, let me just start this with this. Please, Jesus, hear this. You're my son. You belong to me. Never forget, Jesus, who you are and whose you are and where you're from, and no matter what they do to you, no matter what they say to you, no matter what they, 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 how they treat you, you're my son. You're my boy. And I love you. Oh, I love you. I love you passionately. I love you deep. I love you at this moment. I will love you for eternity, Jesus. Nothing will ever separate that love. Don't ever doubt of my love. And son, I'm so pleased with you. I'm proud of you. I mean, to make the journey from heaven down to here, to take upon yourself the yoke of this redemption that's going to cost you your, your life and all that. You, you could have run away. You could, you could back out on this thing if you want to, but... No, you, you are committed to this. You, you, you're, you're all in, fully in to do what we've planned from the very beginnings of, of creation and very eternity. And I, I'm just pleased. I just want you to know I'm proud of you. Wow. So, hum, so human to, to speak that way. If you, you know, if you took 100 little girls and 100 little boys and you asked them, what do you really need to hear from your dad? What do you really know, want to know from your dad? It would be this. Probably, same thing. I want to know about my identity. I want to know who my dad is. I want to know that I belong to him and that he belongs to me. And I want to know that I'm loved. I don't know if they could express it in quite these terms, but I, 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 I need to know daddy loves me. And that he loves me now and that he will always love me and that he, his love will follow me. And not only does he express it, but he reinforces it all through the years that I never doubt that I'm one of the most loved people in the whole world because of dad. And I just want to know if, if dad's proud of me. I want to know that, that he's happy that I'm his child, that he's proud of me. I mean, as you... As you lay that out, it's like God, God models to his son how we are to treat our, our children, his parents. And sometimes we get it backwards. Sometimes we go, I don't know that I like the fatherhood of God because my father was a louse or messed up or, I mean, you know, there's every kind of reason in the world. And so I can't look at God as a father. It, that's upside down. We are to look at God as the Father and recognize it's his model, his example, his footsteps that we follow, and that we can be better 
as dads, as moms, as parents, as we in, invite him, him into our life and his, his modeling into our life, his example into our life, we can be more like what he's created us to be, that people will know what fatherhood is because of, of the way he treats his son and the way he treats his spiritual children and the way he treats us today. Even when we're adults, we still want to know if we belong and if dad's proud and if we're loved. We've got three adult kids and um, whenever we write cards or text or whatever, I try to put on, I'm proud of you, I love you, dad. In fact, my daughter's here today. Good to see you finally in church. <laughs> and um, I don't tell her nearly enough. Randy, I, I love you. Proud of you. On staff at Scottsdale Bible, heading up all the local missions. I just proud of you. Those words can change lives. Never underestimate significance of a father's impact on a child. Here's another verse of scripture I want to share with you. Back in the Psalms, way back, I think it's the 68th chapter, verse 5. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. A father to the fatherless. Now, scholars will tell you that Jesus' earthly dad was named Joseph. More than likely, he passed away while Jesus was in his teens, still a young man. I'm sure he understood what that means to lose an earthly father. Some of you know the very same thing. It, it hurts to say goodbye to our earthly dads. In fact, you know, young people have a hard time with that, trying to ever get over. I, I find out adults have a hard time. My dad died when I was 39 years old. And it still affected me. Some of you, your dad is alive still. Your father's still there, here on earth. But he's absent. He doesn't really care the relationship's strained. Maybe he's not even in your life anymore. He's, he's just vacated that. And you feel the same sense of loss. And it hurts. Jesus enters into that pain when he goes to the cross and he takes upon himself all the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, all the sin of all of history on himself, becomes sin in this substitutionary atonement becomes sin that we might have freedom to, to live with his righteousness. And as he becomes sin for those moments and takes that sin to the cross, he feels the vacancy of his father's relationship, a relationship that he's experienced all through eternity. And now it's gone. Because of the sin, there's a separation and on that cross, he cries out. Do you remember this? He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? 
And he enters this trauma that reminds me that our hearts, I don't think, are, are, are created to, to deal real well with the loss of our dads, whether physically or whether in a relationship. It takes its toll. I don't know how many of you today, I'm, I'm curious, I think there's usually probably a pretty good number that your, your dad has already passed away. He's gone gone to heaven, and, uh, and you're, on Father's Day, you're dealing with some emotions and, and grief, perhaps, or at least memories. Some of you here today are, are from a, a home where your dad has abandoned you and left you. Maybe they just weren't engaged. Maybe it's separate. I'm going to give you this verse of scripture again. And let it just kind of soak with you because it, it made all the difference in the world for me. That he's a father to the fatherless. My folks died in the same year. My mom in August, my dad in December on Christmas Day, six months apart. I can remember uh, I was pastoring and uh, I got a phone call on Christmas Eve and he was having a heart pain and uh, he was weak and he was nauseous and um, he lived just a few blocks away from us and we, so I, I hightailed over there, had him lay down and called 911 and they came and took him off to the hospital and I spent the latter part of that afternoon and the early part of the evening, I missed our first Christmas Eve service, I had someone else substitute for me. And I thought, I'm going to go back, get him settled, I'm going to go back and do the, the last Christmas Eve service and then... We have service on, on Christmas in those days because it was Sunday. And that's back when churches did that. <laughs> Who would have thought? But it, never mind. Um, and it, was, it really wasn't that great because there weren't very many people there. And I'm there wishing I wasn't there. I need, but our idea was we're going to go to church. And um, soon as soon as church is over, I'm going to... Uh, get the family, we're going to get our gifts, and we're going to go see my dad. Church is over. We change clothes. We're going to go pick my niece up and her husband and go to the hospital. And as I went, drove by her house and going to let her in the van, she comes out. Her face is contorted. There's tears all down her eyes. And she just looks at me, hardly able to speak, and she says, Papa is gone. I'm like, what do you mean gone? Just, he's all right. He's in the hospital. No, he, he's gone. He's, he's dead. Papa's dead. And we get in the van and we go and we gather around the, house, the, the bed and we, we pray and we sing and take some time together. That night, laying in bed and it, 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 all the activity just start to kind of hit me. And I'm going, I'm an adult, but I'm an orphan. My mom and dad are gone. All of a sudden, this, I feel alone. Who do I turn to? I mean, I feel a little bit that on, on Father's Day now, it's like, I would, I would love to be able to sit down with my dad and just, talk. I'd love him to see the grandkids, my grandkids. I'd love him to, I'd love to hear that he's still proud of me. I'd love to hear just one more time that he loves me. I, how am I going to go on? I, 
And it was during that, that long night that the Holy Spirit whispered to me this scripture, Don, he's a father to the fatherless, our heavenly father. I'm a father to the fatherless. And you have this promise that even though you lost your earthly father, your heavenly father will pick it up where he left off. Your heavenly father will infuse that vacuum you feel with his own presence. And that doesn't mean it's going to be all easy and all right. It doesn't mean that you're not going to grieve for months, maybe years, maybe, maybe longer than that. It doesn't mean that you're going to have some adjustments. It doesn't mean you're going to have memory. It doesn't mean any of that, but it just means this. His presence can be there like a father to you. If you lean into that presence, you can talk to him. You can listen to him. He'll guide you. He'll encourage you. He'll show you. He'll, he'll be there for you. And you can make the rest of life, even though your earthly father's gone. Because your heavenly father becomes your father when you're fatherless. I don't know today if that's your case. If you're here, I wonder if you're here and you, you're fatherless. Your father's gone on or maybe perhaps your father's alive but you just feel abandoned. I wonder if you'd just be brave enough to raise your hand and say, yeah, I'm raising my hand. Any of you else, anybody else in that? I'd just like to, to pray with you. Just, there's a number of us. Yeah. Let's pray for a second. Lord, for us in this category, we have this father ache. Sometimes it's more apparent than others, but it's there. And Lord, I just pray that you would take this truth, this promise, and that you would just weld it into every heart here, every hand that went up. You are a father to the fatherless. Heal some wounds. Break through some walls. Show yourself strong on their behalf. And may this Father's Day perhaps be different than any other Father's Day for them because they are able to latch on to this promise that because of their fatherlessness, they will know you as their heavenly Father in ways perhaps that they never, ever would have. We lift them before you in Jesus' name. Amen. One last scripture here, kind of one last. Still in the Psalms. I'm going to try to go a little bit quicker through this so, dads, you can go, to, go take everybody to lunch and pay for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Psalm 103, verse, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, Abounding in love. 
I love that. I, I, I want to brag on my heavenly father. He's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. I want to brag on him, and I want to encourage you dads to follow our heavenly father. He's compassionate. He's not up in heaven somewhere, distant, uncaring, unknowing, yawning when he even thinks about us, turning his head the other way, stoic and off in the distance. He's compassionate. That means his heart moves. He feels it in the very depths of his being. When you go through something, when you're dealing with something, when there's something in your life that, that is threatening or or, or bringing you down. He feels it. He knows it. He feels it. And he acts in a compassionate way toward you. He's, he's very aware of what you're going through. Compassionate. And gracious. He's gracious. What a great word. He's kind. He's thoughtful. Merciful, gracious. What's, what's God like on a daily? He's gracious, compassionate, slow to anger. Some of you think he's a cranky old dad, granddad that just wants to get a hold of you and judge you as soon as he can. Let his anger out on you. I'm not saying that he's never going to have some anger or never going to have some judgment. I don't. That's a whole nother. So I just want you to hear this. He's slow to anger. He's patient. He wants to give you time. He wants to work with you. He, his fuse is slow burning because he loves you so much that he wants, he wants you to see him. He wants you to, to trust him. He wants to develop you into the man or the woman that he's destined you to be. He's slow to anger. Nobody wants a dad who's angry all the time with a triggered temper that just sets off. He's, he's slow to anger. And he abounds in love. He's abounding in loving kindness. Abounding. That means overfilled, overflowing. You can't, all the love you can think that God would have in his heart, it's more than that. It's just running out all over the place. That's how, that's how love he has. That's our Heavenly Father. That's our Heavenly Father. When I think about uh, compassionate, some versions say filled with compassion. I think about Jesus when, he, when he's wanting to get, a, get us a glimpse of the Father. He, uh, in the 15th chapter of Luke, tells about the prodigal son, two sons that went away. And one thing about the Old Testament, there's, there's so many descriptions of God, sometimes, sometimes misunderstood, sometimes, sometimes it's just hard to catch a glimpse of who he is. But there's one thing, when, when, when Jesus talks about his father, he's trying to get across everything that you need to know about his father. This is, this is it. When Jesus says, this is the most important thing, here's what I want you to know about my father. And so pay attention when he talks about his father. And he, Talks about the two sons and one wants the inheritance and run away and the other stays at home, takes all his money and wastes it, squanders it, throws it all away, finds himself in a pig pen, finds himself envying pig's food, and finally the Bible says he, he comes to his senses, he wakes up. 
And he says, you know what? I'm better off at home as a servant than I am out here. I'm going back. And I'm going to ask my dad to just make me a servant, do with me whatever he wishes, but I can't take this anymore. And he's working on his speech. I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to be his dad. I'm sorry, I'm going to be a servant. In verse 20, chapter 15, it says this. While he was still a long way off, this son, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I love that. How does God, filled with compassion, act toward us? Well, he sees us. I had an old Sunday school teacher that used to tell this story, and she would, she would go like this. Here's the father looking for his son. Every morning he's looking off the horizon. Is this the day he's coming back? Every night before he goes to bed or he turns in for dinner, every night he's looking for us, he's looking for us, he's looking for us. Every night. It's not like he's just giving up on this son. He's looking for him and looking for him and looking for him and filled with compassion. When he sees his son, he says, I'm not waiting for him to get here. And he runs to his son embraces him, no little uh, high five or fist bump or side hug. He tackles him with an embrace and he kissed him. Brendan Manning, a former priest and author, talks about God as our, our dad, Abba Father. I heard him do a message one time and, and he goes over this, this portion of scripture and he said, here's what I want you to know. When, when this dad ran after him, he ran, he embraced him. He kissed him, and he couldn't stop kissing him. And he just couldn't stop kissing him. And I, I hear that, and I read that, I go, that sounds kind of drastic. That's our Heavenly Father. A few years ago, Lori and I moved back from Washington State here to Phoenix. We were pastoring up in Washington. A few months here, we, we got like everyone else did, the newscast that said there's been a fire in a warehouse in Oakland, California, and a lot of people died. As horrific as that was and is, one of the families up in, in Washington State heard that same newscast and then got a message that reaffirmed it with this tagline, your son is believed to have been in the warehouse. They get in a car, they drive from Portland, Oregon down to Oakland, California. They sit and wait and sit and wait and sit and wait trying to hear news about their son. Finally, they come out and tell us, this is not about survivors anymore. This is, this is just recovery um, people that are, are working on this thing. There's no more survivors. We're doing our best. It's going to take some time. Next day, Hey, we've, we've been able to identify three, three or four bodies. Next day, a little more than a dozen bodies. Each time they would say, but your son's not, uh, not part of it. No son. Finally, they called them together and said, there's three guys left that we haven't been able to identify. It's going to take some days now, but hopefully we'll be able to identify your son. And as they were contemplating this whole thing, finally, days later, 
they called them with good news and said, we are finally able to identify off a fingerprint enough DNA to identify your son. We're so sorry. But you can put closure on it now. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than that. When I talked to him, I asked him, what did you guys do for all those days? They said, well, we had a hotel room and the walls would start to close in on us. And we went to a mall and we would just sit in the mall and we'd pray and we'd, we would remember and we would ask God and, and we cried. I don't, I don't blame you. And I got to thinking, what would happen if they were in the mall and they were looking down the hallway of that mall and all of a sudden they saw their son walking down there? in the middle of all this, alive. What do you think they'd do? I'm sure they'd get up off that mall bench and they would run full speed and they would grab him around the neck and they would tackle him and hug him and they would kiss him and kiss him and kiss him and couldn't stop kissing him. We thought you were dead, but you're alive. We thought you were lost, but you're found. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. That's our Heavenly Father. That's His compassion. That's His compassion for you and for me. And on this Father Day, Father's Day, fathers especially, if you feel distant, if you feel far away, maybe from your family or your kids or from God himself, I want you to know God's like this. <laughs> he's watching, he's looking, he's waiting, he's wanting more than anything else. He's wanting more than anything else for you to take a few steps home. And he'll run to meet you. Not to, not to condemn you, not to not to punish you, not to destroy you, but to hug you and start to kiss you and he will not stop kissing you because you were dead. But he'll make you alive. You're lost, he'll make you found. Full of compassion. Dads, wouldn't today be a good day to do that? And for all of us, Maybe your relationship with God is good. Maybe today is the day when we learn from our Heavenly Father how he treats his son and also how he treats his spiritual children. And we rejoice and encourage ourselves not only to be more like him, but to learn from him. And may it be said when our life is over, full of compassion, that dad. Gracious, slow to anger abounding in love. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you, uh, you provided a way for us to know our Father, our Heavenly Father. Thank you for that. Today, in the quietness of our time, as we just dismiss, I pray that your spirit would just kind of nudge up especially to dads, it's dad's day. 
encourage them, challenge them, help them. It's not easy being a dad. Help them know that through you they can do this. And may they do it to your glory, to the legacy that you would have, and to the, the kingdom that will be advanced. And may we mark off June 18th, 2023 as a defining, life-changing moment in the name of Jesus. Amen.